When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, welcome to the Girl Take No Podcast. I'm your host, Shani Sanders. And today we are launching an extraordinary new series called Trailblazing Women, Exceptional Stories of Female Leaders. And in this series, we're going to introduce you to some truly remarkable women who have shattered barriers and achieved monumental milestones, all while redefining success in their own unique way. In our first episode, our guest is the true embodiment of resilience, determination, and empowerment. She's a mom of seven, a successful business owner, and a world record holder. But the best part of her is her incredible feat of being the first woman to climb the second highest summit on all seven continents. From her inspiring book called Breakproof, um, seven strategies to build resilience and achieve your life goals, to her secret summit podcasts, programs, and her signature talks. She has truly dedicated herself to inspiring, devoted, and determined entrepreneurs and urging them to go beyond just a life of success and actually achieve a life of significance. So in this first episode, we're really going to get into her early beginnings. We're going to talk about the challenges she faced. We're going to talk about her trailblazing initiatives and also how she's just been disrupting industry norms. We're going to learn from her setbacks and discover how she's dedicated herself to helping other women achieve the same. So be prepared to be inspired and motivated as we unfold this extraordinary story of this remarkable woman and how she's now um, empowering other people to do the same. So without further ado, please welcome to the show, Jen Drummond. Are you tired of working nine to five? Are you tired of your dreams going unfulfilled? Are you still letting fear stop you from pursuing that business idea? Well, all that stops today. I'm Shawnee Sanders, host of the Girl Take No podcast, a podcast for ambitious women looking to ditch their nine to five and take the leap into entrepreneurship. Each week, you will learn the mindset, methods, and actionable steps other successful entrepreneurs took to make the shift from full-time employee to full-time entrepreneur and live the life they always dreamed of. Now let's get into today's episode. 
Hey guys. Hey Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on the show. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, this is going to be a really good episode. I think you have an amazing background. And so I'm excited to get into this interview. Yay. So let's kind of start with some questions regarding your early beginnings. Can you tell me um, how your early childhood years and maybe your background kind of led you down the path that you're on now? Yeah. You know, I always played sports and I was hyper competitive. Um, If I did sports, I didn't have to do chores. So I quickly learned the concept of um, do what you love so that you avoid doing things you don't love. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think that was like a big foundation for me is having that team sport background and what it's like to have a joint pursuit of trying to win a game. That's really good. That's really good. So what are some of those like pivotal moments that you can think about that kind of shaped you? into this path as well? Were there pivotal moments throughout your life that you feel like kind of help you get to here? Yeah. I think if we always look back, we're going to be like, oh, that makes sense now. Probably didn't make sense at the time. Right. So it's funny because when I got into mountaineering, when I was in my late thirties, really forties, early forties, I had never been a mountaineer before. But if you looked at my background, I was a gymnast when I was younger. Yeah, I got in. So that gave you a lot of body awareness. I got into soccer, which gives you that sprinting and then slowing down and that endurance that you have to do two different speeds the entire game, which is mountaineering to a T, right? You're going up a mountain, then you have a punchy section or you have a a less slopey section that isn't as hard. And then I got into triathlon, which really helped with endurance. So when it was time to take up mountaineering, it wasn't I had a foundation that I would have mm-hmm. never pieced together otherwise. <laughs> so, you know, I want to get it. I want to talk about that, how you decided to do this. You said in your late thirties, early forties, is that what you said? And get yeah. into mountaineering. Yeah. When you first, when you first thought about doing it, was it scary at first? Did you think like, what am I doing and how am I going to do this? Yeah, no, I think somewhat of it was being naive and not knowing, right? Yeah. So not like you're so clueless on it. You don't know what you don't know, which was mm-hmm. actually a benefit to me because I could say yes before I understood all the pieces of it. Yeah. I did go. So I moved to Park City in 2015. I went to climb the Grand Teton in 2016, which is in Jackson Hole. I mm-hmm. had the most amazing experience, right? It was so much fun. It was all the things. And I just remember telling myself then, like, when I have more time, I want to do more of this. Like, I like this. And then, you know, life just happens and you get busy and you don't make it a priority until something shifts and then it's a priority again. And so when it was time to get into it, there's a lot that I didn't know, but I knew enough to be like, this is, it's fun. I liked it. I like being outside in nature. Yeah. 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 I got to get into that. Like I always tell my friends, like, I don't know if I can do nature. I don't know if I can go out camping and doing that kind of stuff. But I I was like, you know, I'm just going to try a rock climbing wall. Yeah. And I'm going to see how yeah. I feel about that. And I got to see because I have vertigo. So I really have to <laughs> figure that part right. out, Definitely. which would be a little different from me. So I have to really do that. But can you talk about maybe like a specific moment that kind of like, like put you into this space where you felt like, you know, like what moment made you feel like, okay, Mountaineer was something that I really want to get into. Did something happen that put yeah. you there? Or was it just like you said, natural progression from already having a sports background? No, no. So I had put my life on hold to have children, 
right? Yeah. Which I think a lot of us have a tendency to do, which yep. I do feel when you have little babies, that's probably necessary because they're mm -hmm. so demanding. But all of a sudden my kids were in school and I didn't know how to quite shift back into me without yeah. the story of being selfish or whatever it was that oh, I was God, telling yes. myself. Yeah. And um, I got into a horrific car crash, right? Mm -hmm. So in 2018, I got into a car crash, car crash that should have taken my life and didn't. Wow. And wow. the police called me. They rebuilt the accident a number of different ways. They could not build a scenario where I walked away, let alone like lived, right? So that mm -hmm. was interesting because at the same time, a few weeks after the accident, a girlfriend of mine went running on a trail that you could push a stroller down. It was mm -hmm. wet out. She slipped, hit her head, and never came home. Oh, wow. So I had wow. this... Yeah, it was just this weird dichotomy to be in because I had this experience that I shouldn't have survived on. That was a horrific crash. I mean, I went end over end, rolled over sideways, all the things. And then my friend goes and does something healthy yeah. and doesn't get to come home, right? Yeah. And I'm like, how does this work? And so in my head, I realized I don't get to choose when I die, mm -hmm. but I sure get to choose how I live. And what I'm mm. doing today is the choices that I'm making. And so mm. after this car accident in 2018, 2019 became a huge year of the bucket list. Yeah. I needed to know who I was. Like I had lost myself entirely in my children. I couldn't even tell you what I'd want for dinner. I was just so yeah. used to eating leftovers on their plates. Yeah. And so 2019 was this year of what do I want to see? What do I want to do? What do I want to experience? Because I might die. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of things that I wanted to do that I was waiting for the right time to make it happen. So I'm doing this in 2019, 2020, I was turning 40. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, I want to do something epic for my 40th birthday to launch this next decade of life. Yeah. So I reviewed my list of this bucket list and I was looking at things. I'm like, okay, what would be something good that I can do in my 40s that might be harder to do in my 80s? Yeah. <laughs> and on that list was climb a mountain. I thought, you know what? I'm going to climb a mountain for my 40th birthday to just signify the importance of this next decade. Yeah. And so I was training for a mountain named Ama de Blom. It's Ama. located in Nepal. If you've watched a movie, it's the mm -hmm. Paramount Pictures logo. You know, the stars go all the way around yeah. it. Is that yeah. the mountain? That's that's the mountain, Ama de Blom. Wow. I know. So I'm like, oh, that's perfect. And it means the mother's necklace. Oh. So I thought this is the perfect mountain to climb. Yes. So I'm training for this mountain and COVID happens. Oh, and God. And so yeah. I'm yeah. not going anywhere. And in fact, I'm now a homeschool teacher to seven children because all of our school systems shut down. <laughs> right? So I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. this is fun. Not what I expected, but here we yeah. are. It's a tough time for all of us. Tough time for all of us, right? And so one day... My son was struggling with his math homework. I'm mm -hmm. like, listen, buddy, we do hard things. I've given him that parent pep talk that we do yeah. when our kids are struggling. And my son looks up at me and he goes, if we do hard things, why are you climbing a mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of oh. a real mountain like Mount Everest? I said, honey, it's Ama de Blom, not I'm a dumb blonde. But thank you for that. Awesome. Right? Oh my and God. I'm like, what? So he, something else. I know, totally. So he finished his homework. We looked at Everest. He went to bed. Mm -hmm. And I was still looking at Everest. I was like, you know what? <laughs> if he thinks this is the hardest mountain in the whole world, mm -hmm. I'm going to climb it. 
And I'm going to show him that whatever our hard thing is, yeah, physical or metaphorical, we're able to climb it. And so I call the coach. Coach is like, yep, I can get you ready. So here all of a sudden I am training for AMA and Everest. And my coach mails me a book about becoming an uphill athlete. Mm. I'm like, okay. I'll, like, so I'm reading this book. And in the front of it, a lady got a Guinness World Record for doing something in the Alps. I don't even remember what it was, but I just remember yeah. being like, I could have done that. Like I can do hard things and my kids would actually think I'm cool. Yes. So I, I, so I'm talking to my coach because I'm like not feeling cool, right? Homeschool teacher version yeah. of me, oh, God. not a yes. cool version. Yeah. My kids are like, it's, it was very stressful for all of us with those types of relationships with our kids. And he's like, oh, I'll think of something. I'm like, okay, you can think of something, but listen, I'm not growing hot dogs. I mean, I'm not growing pumpkins, I'm not speed mm -hmm. eating hot dogs, I'm not mm -hmm. doing like weird fingernail things. Like there are some weird Guinness world records out there. Yeah. He's like, don't yeah. worry, I'll think for of something. For anything, right? For anything. I mean, they have them for everything, like blanket forts, whatever. So a few weeks after that, my coach calls me and he's like, Jen, I have the perfect world record for you. I'm like, okay. He's like, I think you should become the first female to climb the seven second summits. I have mm. no clue what he's talking about. I'm like, what yeah. are the seven second summits? Like you have, yeah. you got me. He's like, listen, he goes, it's the second highest point on each of the seven continents. Wow. They're actually harder than the first seven. So it's going to be respected amongst the mountaineering community. It's only been done by one male. So oh you would be God. the first woman to do it. And he goes, and think about it. Seven continents, seven mountains, seven children. I think it sounds like a jackpot. And I'm like, it does. It, it does, does sound like a jackpot. I don't know why, but it does. And so, it sounds like it aligned perfectly. Yeah, right. Totally. And yeah. I'm like, my, my goal after having the accident was, okay, I want to do hard things. Because mm -hmm. we get to experience life and we'll lean into hard, right? I want to inspire others and I want to experience the world. So this yeah. checked all the boxes. I looked at where the locations were. My kids and I got excited about it. I said, yes. Like I had not slept in a tent before talking about your tent story. <laughs> okay. Um, I hadn't slept in a tent before, but I'm like, we'll figure it out. Like those are details. All right, yeah. we'll figure it out. So there you go. That's how the whole thing started. Oh my God. You know what's so, what's so interesting about that story is that what every woman can relate to is that moment of feeling like you lost yourself. I want to go back to that comment because I think as women, as moms, we have kids and just life going on, we can lose ourselves and forget about the things that bring us joy. I tell Not people really. a lot that, Hey, I started this podcast because it brings me joy to talk to other people, to talk to other entrepreneurs, to hear their stories. And I think sometimes as women, we forget that and we get lost in just being a mom, just being a wife, just being this or just being that. And not being able to pursue something that is joyful. And I'm going to tell you this. So I thought I did hard things by just doing a seven-day liquid fast. But yes. what I realized is that after hearing your story, Jen, you do hard things. You are the epitome of that statement. Yes. Because to climb those seven mountains, seven continents, to even think about, I don't even, I just want to know what was your, your mindset around it when he said to you, these are harder than the first seven. You know what I mean? Like what kind of well, mindset did you have permission. to have? 
Yeah, for when he said they were harder than the first seven and they hadn't done been done by a female, that was exciting to me, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, yeah. this is because if I'm going to be away from my kids and do something hard, I mm-hmm. want it to be significant. Yeah. So that made it significant. And then it also kind of gave me an out because it had not been done before. Mm-hmm. So if I couldn't do it, it was like, okay, well, at least it's not been done. So it's not, you know what I'm saying? So it was kind of like, let's see. Let's see what can yeah. happen. Who knows? Oh, wow. And you know, when you do that and you accomplish such an amazing thing like that, what is that next step for you? So after yeah. you accomplished climbing those seven mountains, what was that next thing that you did after that? Yeah. So I just finished June 1st of 2023, right? Mm-hmm. So it took a couple, two and a half years to complete wow. the Wow. I didn't know it would take that long, that type of training. I guess when you think about training and the actual climbing itself, yeah, do you have and to like, train for every mountain differently? No, the training kind of accumulates, so that okay. helps. But mm-hmm. mountains can only be climbed at certain times of the year. So mm-hmm. you always see Mount Everest climbed in May because that's the time that the jet stream slows down so that people can climb it and not blow off the top, right? Yeah. So so mountains have different climbing seasons. I didn't summit every mountain the first time. I wish I did, but mm-hmm. just Mother Nature had other plans for us. And the reality yeah. is, is the mountain always wins. So you don't want to challenge her when she doesn't want to be challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to come back and do a couple of them twice. And when I was done, I mean, obviously it's an amazing feeling. It's kind of, and then there's a little bit of disappointment mm-hmm. because it was so much purpose and focus and identity. And yeah. now that's done, right? So yeah. like, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. And then you also have, like, I'm a quick start. So I know for me, I was like, you know what? Everybody always asks what's next. And I'm yeah. going to force myself to say, this is what is. And for a year, I'm not committing to anything else because I want to be very intentional about the next project I pick up. I, I agree with that because you've accomplished something so great. So let me ask you this. How do you take climbing those mountains, conquering those mountains and apply that to business, you know, because as women in business, we face so many different mountains. So I love that the metaphor of a mountain, the fact that you actually climb mountains. Yeah. So what, yeah. how do you apply that to climbing there's the mountains so in business? Much. Like you said, there's so many parallels. I mean, it's yeah. fascinating because I own a business. I owned a yes. business before I got into this. And so it was, so I'm like, okay, so I grew this business. I hired myself out of a job that's mm-hmm. still running. I got into mountaineering. When I got into mountaineering, I'm like, oh my God, this is the same thing that I do in my business. This is the same thing I do in my business. (laughs) And so I wrote a book. I wrote a book. It's Uh coming out January 9. Mm -hmm. It's titled Breakproof, Seven Strategies to Build Resilience and Achieve Your Life Goals. Because a lot of business just requires resilience, resilience, resilience. And for example, like one of the lessons out of the book, so I take you to each mountain. And mm-hmm. I just hone in on one particular lesson that's demonstrated in that life or death situation in most cases. And yeah. then I give you questions and be like, oh, this is how this is showing up in my life. Mm-hmm. So one of the lessons is big mountains take big teams. Mm. You know, I think as women, we're so like, there's a story out there that we need to do this alone or yeah. that we're better if we've achieved it by ourselves. There's no one that does anything alone. I'm sorry. Right. And so if you have a big goal, like climbing Mount Everest, Mm -hmm. it's going to take a big team to make that happen. Right. For me, I had to have people take care of my kids at home. I had to have people Mm -hmm. on the mountain. I had to have like all the people that were involved in me getting to the top of the mountain. 
is humbling. I mean, it's mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. And I think a lot of us, we have goals in business. We have goals personally. We start getting tired, right? We yeah. don't like, oh, maybe yeah. I don't really want this goal or, oh, maybe it was too big of a bite or whatever it was. We don't ever really say, oh, wait, do I have enough help? We never say that. We never say that. And the never. reality is, is like, if you want to take on a big goal, you're going to need a big team. And then that big team gives you the energy to get all the way to the top. Let me tell you, I, I'm so glad you said that because I just had this conversation. I have a podcast come, episode coming out this week about competition versus collaboration and how we always think we have to do it alone. And I think you're right. Every Anytime any entrepreneur decide to say, okay, this is the route I want to go, we always get in that isolated, I'm going to do this all myself mindset. Yes. And we get comfortable in that mindset until we realize that, okay, I want to get to the next level. And we're always wondering, why am I not getting to the next level? Why am I just right here? And out of everyone that I talked to, everyone said, in order to grow, you got to have a team to grow. Yeah. You got to have people, you got to bring people in in order to get to the next level of whatever that business is. And so tell me, how did you decide when, let's just say that part, because I think a lot of time we don't recognize when we need to grow. When is that time to bring in a team? When did you decide to say, hey, you know what? I have to bring a team in to this business in order to see it go to the next level. Yeah, and the earlier you can do that, the better off you are. I mean, honestly, right? I mean, it's so true. So for me, when it came to my business that I was Mm -hmm. growing, I started having kids. I'm like, okay, well, I'd rather spend time with my children than spend time in the office. And so it was a forced shift, right? Mm -hmm. For me to not be in the office, I have to hire somebody so that I can be at home. And then that means the business has to perform at a certain level so that it can afford the person to come in. And these half to numbers aren't scary. They're motivation. They're like, okay, mm. this is going to happen. And when you put your full faith into these things and you do the thing, it, it works out. It really yeah. does. And so for me, that's how the first time I did it in the business world. And so mm-hmm. then I just kept hiring myself out of a job more and more. I didn't give over the whole thing in the same day. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, I looked at my calendar. And I realized, guess what? There's a whole bunch of activities that I don't need to be doing. Hired yeah. somebody for those activities. Then after six months, the business was doing good. We kind of absorbed everything. We got to this new level. Now I'm looking at my calendar again. Okay, what else can I be shifting out of here that mm. doesn't make sense? And it wasn't just at the office. It was also at home. Okay, my kids don't know if I did the laundry or not. They yeah. know if the laundry's done. Yes. They don't care if I'm the one folding it, right? Exactly. They, they don't care who does it. The, right, right. They care if I'm the one who is reading them stories. Mm-hmm. or doing bath time and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And so I always was looking at everything of where am I getting the most bang for my buck mm-hmm. and what can I delegate out? And then when it came time to climb Everest, my biggest story was I can't climb Everest. I can't be gone from home for three weeks. Yeah, I'd be yeah. a terrible yeah. mom if I was yeah. gone for three weeks. And I really want to be a good mom. And this is not the mom okay. Guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mom guilt. And then I sat there, I'm like, really? I'm a bad mom if I'm not if I leave my kids one time and their entire careers are growing up for three weeks. Like, is that really the only truth? <laughs> That's like you true. have to start writing this stuff down so you can see how silly you look sometimes. Yeah, you do. And so then <laughs> I looked at right, sorry. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna climb Everest because I said I was. Mm-hmm. And so I can either tell myself I'm a bad mom or I can figure out how to be a good mom and climb Everest. 
Yes. And so here's what was magic. I, you know, grandma comes out. I have all the help at home. Believe me, they were more than well taken care of. And then I go to the kid's school and I tell the teacher, I'm like, hey, listen, I'm going to be gone for three weeks. I've mm-hmm. never been gone this long. I have things lined up at home, but you know how it is with kids yep. with new. Can you just offer my kids a little bit of grace? And I told the teacher what I was doing. She's like, you're climbing Everest? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, will you come in and teach the kids about setting an Everest goal? Mm. I'm like, sure. So now all of a sudden I go into the school. I teach the kids about setting a huge Everest goal. We Every kid had to just pick one goal that they were going to go. Sorry, my cat showed up. One goal that they were going to go after. Mm-hmm. And um, and so then they colored this little hiker. They put the goal on the little flag in the hallway. And then, I mean, it was like make the travel soccer team, ski a black diamond ski run, you know, cute kid goals. Yeah. And then in the front of the school, we made this huge Mount Everest. And then we had a little hiker that was me. And I had a tracking device on me. So when I was over in Nepal climbing, the school could move me up and down oh the mountain, my God. telling them where I was. And we have Wi-Fi at base camp. Mm-hmm. So I could Zoom call into the classrooms and say, like, here's where I pooped. This is what I ate. You know, all oh the things my God. care about. And then I summited. And it was like the whole. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. School summited. <laughs> I came back. I talked to everybody. I'm like, man. Could you imagine if I said, oh, I'm not climbing Everest because I can't be gone for three weeks because that'd be a bad mom? Mm -hmm. It actually was like the biggest gift to my community, to my children, to each other. And it was just so fascinating because it's like, oh, now my kids learned what it's like to rely on other people for help, Mm -hmm. not just their mom. Um, mm-hmm. They felt supported by a community. They realized their mom was doing something pretty cool. And mm-hmm. it was just such a beautiful thing. And that's because I asked for help. And there it is because you ask for help. The asking is such a big deal to a lot of people. Yes. People are so afraid to ask simply because they might not get the answer that they want. Right. And if you don't, then ask someone else. There's a exactly. zillion people. Okay. There's a lot of choices. I think it's so cool that your whole mountaineer experience became so interactive with the yeah. school and how the community just came around you and supported you with it. I think that's so cool because a lot of moms have mom guilt. I mean, we have mom guilt just by going to work. You know what I right. mean? Being away from right. our kids just by going to work and providing and doing the things that we need to do. So for you to do something that was so monumental and have to be away from your kids and was able to ask, get the help and make it interactive where your kids even felt like they were a part of it too. Yeah. I think that was awesome. just such a cool experience. I don't think I know anybody else that have had this type of experience before you, Jen. There you go. Right. And I'm glad I got a chance to hear it because it's well, absolutely it amazing. Pave the way for other people. Like, let yes. it not be the only story, right? Let it be the one that starts other people's minds and makes more possible for all of us. I, and I love the fact that you said their they're Everest amount, Everest, their Everest goal. And I think that's so important that I'm going to take that back. And I'm going to tell it to people because I do daily lives on Facebook as well. And I'm going to talk to people about that as well. 
an Everett goal because I'm like, it could be so big that you want to work towards and accomplish. Is that something you mentioned in your book as well? Yeah, we talk about it. And in fact, we use that term at my house, Mm -hmm. right? So everybody has an Everest, right? And when my kids are struggling or whatever's going on, I'm like, okay, what's your Everest right now? That I know for them is their hardest thing right now. Yeah. That's their hardest thing that I know might not be hard to me, but it's hard to them. And I know how to parent that then. Right. So when you just use the language and you have it available for your family to use, you can show up for each other in a way that's needed. I think that's absolutely amazing. You know what I want to talk about? What was the emotional, um, what was the emotional aspect of this whole climbing the mountaineers? Like what kind of emotional toll did the training and then climbing the mountains, what kind of thing did I have? Did you have moments where you were like, aha, did you have any aha moments while you're climbing and you're just saying to yourself, oh my God, I can't believe every step I took was like me conquering something. Yeah. Every move I made. Did you have those type of moments? Oh, a hundred percent. Like the mountain is, (laughs) there is no mountain worth climbing that is easy. Mm. Okay. If you think about it, my kids play video games. My kids won't play the video games that they've mastered. It's boring. They Mm -hmm. want challenge. They want something that makes it confusing or hard or a puzzle to solve. That's the human spirit. We Mm -hmm. actually like hard things. We convince ourselves at times we don't, that is not true. Okay. So just embracing the fact that, oh, this is a hard thing that I like. We convince ourselves that we climb the mountain for the summit. Mm. I think society convinces us at times too, that we climb for the summit. And it's interesting because when I climbed Everest, since we're talking about Everest today, I was on the summit for 10 minutes. Mm. I realized on my way down, I spent 1,232 hours training for those 10 minutes. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. (laughs) And so that was such a lesson in you better enjoy the journey and the process and the Mm -hmm. experience and all the things in between. Because if you live your life for those summits, you missed all the moments that make up our stories. Yes. Right? And so the mountain is just such a reminder of, okay, I'm going to be up there for 10 minutes. What am I doing right now that's enjoyable? And another thing, when you, I talk about this in the book, when you commit to the commitment, So I committed to climbing Mount Everest. There was no Mm -hmm. question on whether I was climbing Mount Everest or not. So now all that energy that would be maybe like, maybe we shouldn't climb Everest. Maybe we shouldn't. Now all that energy is shut down and it can be used to climb Everest. So if my decision is to climb Everest, and I've already decided that, now how do I have the most fun? Mm-hmm. How do I make this experience as enriching as possible? How do I make this the most beautiful thing I've done thus far? Mm. And all your energy gets to be put into those places. So now I got to involve the kids' school, right? Mm-hmm. I got to be involved in a charity project and help other people climb their mountain that might not be have been able to afford to. Mm-hmm. I was able to, we were in this really hard section, really hard section. Mm-hmm. And everybody, it's their least favorite section. If you ask anybody that climbs Everest, what's your least favorite section? They're going to tell you the Lhotse face. Mm. The Lhotse face is a 3,700 foot wall that feels like an outdoor Stairmaster. 
Oh my God. Okay. So it's brutal. I mean, it's never ending. You're like, how am I going to get to the top? This is horrible. The weather shifts on a dime. So if oh, there's wow. a cloud, all of a sudden it's freezing and you don't have enough layers. If that cloud blows away and the sun's there, because there's so many angles and reflective surfaces, it can be mm -hmm. like 80 degrees because oh the sun God. just bakes in this area and it has yeah. nowhere to escape and you're just out there exposed. Mm. And so it is an extreme section. And we get to this part of the climb and we're like, okay, here we are. <laughs> And because we, we committed to the fact that, hey, we're going from point A to point B, mm -hmm. now it was how do we have the most fun? And so on our team, different people took lead and they mm -hmm. would tell stories of their childhood. They tried to think of jokes that they would get everybody to listen to. We would sing goofy songs. <laughs> and we like, and then when that person got exhausted, they would go to the back of the line and the next person would go and they'd lead us through this next section. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that my whole team probably our favorite section of climbing Everest was this Lhotse face. Oh, wow. Because we were goofy. We were silly. Yes. We were fun. We did all those things. And I share that story because as the listeners here climb their mountains, yes. pause and say, this next section is going to be hard. What can I do right now to make it easier? Mm. I Let me tell you, you just said so many different things in that the way it relates, like you said, to business and when you commit to something yes, and just already know that it's going to be hard, but you commit to it and you're going to see it through. Right. And you, and I think the, the thing that stuck out the most to me, what you just said is that to make it fun along the way. And so I think that as entrepreneurs, we forget and we don't, not even things we forget, we just don't do this at all. We don't make the journey fun along the way. Right. We just think about the hardships. We think about how hard it is and trying to sell and trying to do this and that we don't make the journey fun along the way. And I'm myself, now I'm speaking to myself as well. I'm like, now that has resonated with me to now say, you know, Shauna, you got to make your journey fun along yeah. the way because you've committed to this and you got to make it enjoyable. It doesn't matter if it's hard. You got to make that hard thing enjoyable to push through right. it. Right. Right. And, and it makes, I mean, think about it. If you're competing against somebody that's like, or somebody who's <laughs> laughing, yeah. I do not want to be competing against the person that's laughing because they have way more energy and everything else to get to the other side, right? Like yes. that is a harder person to beat. Yes. Here, here's another story from the mountain. So, oh, there's so many examples in this book. So buy the book because it's so much fun to read. Yes. Um, we've gotten a ton of good feedback. But one of the scenarios was I was climbing the second highest peak in Europe and mm -hmm. it's located in Russia. And I went in September of 2021. Mm -hmm. And I curated like the perfect gear for this climb. Okay. So I want you to think I ordered 20 pairs of gloves mm -hmm. and sent 19 pairs back so that I had the pair that gave me the most dexterity and mm -hmm. warmth, right? Mm -hmm. Like you need to be able to tie your shoes, but still be warm. Yeah. It's hard to do in a glove. <laughs> so yes, it is. Anyways, <laughs> I curate all this gear. I land in Moscow and my bags don't show up. Oh my God. I was like, oh, no, you're cute. That's fine. <laughs> and they're like, worst. no, they're not here. And we actually don't know where they are. I'm like, how in today's technology do we not know where <laughs> they are? This does not make sense to me. And they're like, sorry, oh we God. don't. I'm like, okay. Well, my guide is there. And he's like, hey, listen, Jen, like we go now or we're not climbing. And I mm. had just spent about 36 hours in airports. So if I heard one more intercom, I probably would murder somebody. So that's mm. probably one of the only reasons why I'm like, okay, what's my worst pain? 
renting gear or hearing the intercom lady again. Yeah. I will take renting gear. So we go to this store. There's no rental gear. This is right after COVID. Nothing shipping. Nobody has inventory. Mm-hmm. I'm yep. a peanut compared to most people that climb. So yeah. nothing fits. I have to. I, I rent a jacket. I have to roll the sleeves. I rent a backpack. I have to tie it so it stays on my shoulders. Oh my Boots, god! Three like, sizes too big. I'm like, okay, you know what? We're not going to summit, but at least I'm going to get information as we go. And that's going to help me come back and have a better chance the next time. Yeah. I mean, I had to yeah. buy underwear. And here's where you can have fun. They, I, they didn't have, I mean, the stores there are a little bit unique compared mm-hmm. to what we have in the United States for shopping. Yeah. So the store sells underwear and milk and eggs and, you know, a battery charger and candles for cake, right? Like everything under the sun, but it's the size of a 7-Eleven. Mm. So there's okay. not a lot of like quantity. It's not a lot of options. <laughs> not a lot of options. So there was like two pairs of underwear that I could buy. Mm-hmm. I bought the Scooby-Doo underwear. I'm like, I can either climb blue underwear or Scooby-Doo underwear. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to climb the second highest point in Europe in Scooby-Doo oh. underwear. Oh, my God. Why not? That's right? funny. That's, That's funny. hilarious. So we get to this mountain. We climb it. The weather like somehow works out for us. We get to the top, which is still awe-inspiring. Like, I can't even, I still can't piece it together, but we did. Mm -hmm. I'm going down the mountain, and I'm, like, butt-scooting in sections because my toes hurt so bad from hitting the fronts of these shoes. Mm -hmm. I'm sure one of my toes is broken. Oh, my God. I can't, like, handle the pain anymore. And, like, so often, what my vision of what this climb was going to look like, Mm -hmm. right, this beautiful photos and my matching outfit, just the pristine weather. And then here I am in the snapshot of my mind, scooting down a mountain and Scooby-Doo underwear <laughs> and a jacket that, I mean, none of it, right? Everything That's is different. Being an entrepreneur. Because yes. guess what? I got back to the airport. My bags showed up the day I was flying out. Mm. Six months later, Russia closed. Wow. It's still closed. You can only climb that mountain in September and August. Mm -hmm. I would have not been able to finish my record had I waited. Yes. I had to do it messy, sideways, nothing like I envisioned, but we still got to the finish line and we have the story to tell. And if that doesn't describe entrepreneurship, I don't know what it is. That is entrepreneurship hands down because you're so right. We come with this preset vision of what we think it's going to look like, how we think it's going to go, and then we get into it and it becomes messy and it becomes unorganized. It's nothing that we expected. And it's either we're going to roll with it or we're going to back out of it. And the right. fact that you're like, okay, you know what? I'm here now and I'm not stopping. I'm going to yeah. conquer this. And yeah. I, I just love the fact that it's so many different messages in your story of climbing these mountains in terms of like entrepreneurship and just in life in general. In terms of how we handle the mountains in our lives and how we still push through things that don't necessarily look like what we thought they were going to look like. yeah. And it's about the journey to it, right? It's about getting to the journey. Because here's the thing. Do I tell you about all the things that went well on that climb? No, because it's boring. boring. I tell you about all the things that went wrong. And so when we're writing the stories of our lives... The things that go wrong give us color and depth Mm -hmm. and just a way of being that if everything went the way that we wanted it to, we would self-destruct. We really would. 
You know, yeah. let me ask you something about entrepreneurship. Was entrepreneurship something you saw yourself doing or was it something that kind of like happened to you? Like I was an opportunity and I just jumped at it. Yeah, no, you know, I think so many things that we decide in our lives are based on experiences that we've had. So mm -hmm. I was in college and I did an internship at a furniture company that was manufacturing office furniture. Mm -hmm. And when I was in college, the internship was managing the temporary labor line. So this mm -hmm. company would have people work on the temporary company, employment company. And then if they were really good, they might get hired in as full-time employees of the company. Yeah. So we had 200 temporary labor people and we were begging them to come in every day, work extra, work weekends. We could not manufacture enough of these chairs that the whole world decided they needed to have. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Y2K happens. Mm -hmm. okay? Why I did not quit this job, I have no idea, <laughs> but I stick with it. And they're like, now you have to fire these 200 people because we don't need them. Oh, wow. I'm like, what do you mean you don't need them? We've been begging these people to come in for weeks. How did this happen this fast? Yeah. And so then we had to sit down and have conversations with these people. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. You missed your kid's soccer game. Yes, you missed the family reunion. Yes, mm. you did all these things so that you would maybe get hired in full time somewhere. But manager, like this was unforeseen. We don't need you anymore. I apologize. There's nothing I can do. Oh my and God. it was in that experience I was like, I will never be able to work for somebody because mm -hmm. I don't know how to do something where I don't give it 100%. And if I went in every day giving it 100%, 100%, 100%, and somebody somewhere said, sorry, you're done, yeah, I would be crushed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Crushed. So I was like, yeah. you know what? I would rather have me not have a job be on me than on somebody else. And mm -hmm. so I like from that point on, I was like, I'm going to have to be an entrepreneur because this other option is not okay. Yeah. And so many people do because I've, I've dealt with layoffs. Right. And so you're yes. right. And I've always been that person too. that same mindset was like, I don't want to continue to work for people where they feel like they have my life in their hands. Right. Where it's like either you're going to make it or not making it. it's because of this where you in your mind, you believe it's because of this job. Right. And that I rather depend on my own skills, my own talents, my own abilities to create wealth for myself. Right. Like you said. And, and if it's not happening, then that's just on me. That's not because somebody higher up felt like, hey, it's time to make deductions. Yeah. Or, yeah we made, made bad decisions. And so now here's the department that's going to suffer for it. Right. And to exactly. be honest with you, like, I don't play very well in politically environment stuff. Like, I don't know how to do office politics. Like, I would be a nightmare. So it's just better that I don't have them. Yeah, it's, it's better that way. And I think it's better that way for a lot of people when it comes to entrepreneurship. But I just think, man, your story is so fascinating how it relates to just so many real life things and so many challenges and mountains that we face and the things that we still face as entrepreneurs and how we grow and stuff like that. So where do you see yourself um, cause you have the book coming out in January. Yep. Where do you see, what's, what do you see yourself next in there? Like, what else do you see for yourself? Yeah, cause I know you, you said, know, Hey, I'm going to give myself a year. I'm not going to do anything, but do you have a, like an idea in your mind? Like maybe this is probably what I do next. I'm doing a lot of speaking engagements right now. Yeah. This is an amazing really, story. <laughs> yeah. I love being on stage. I love connecting that perseverance, that resilience story, and then giving mm -hmm. that inspiration to companies and yeah. watching people. Even I went out to a college and did all the student athletes. 
yeah. and just talk to them and just watching those aha moments in their heads mm-hmm. click and then letting them know that these stories are all the same for all of us. They just manifest a little bit different, but the underlying yeah. through thread is the same. And so just connecting with people on that through thread and letting them see it play out in their story and empowering yeah. them to do what they're here for. Wow. That's absolutely amazing. Well, yeah. Let me ask you this. Let's go back to business. So when you started your business, um, did you face any challenges getting started? Was it ever a point in your mind where you're like, okay, why did I do this? <laughs> why I think did when I decide you start a business, you, oh, you, you would die. I mean, the things <laughs> that I almost blew this business up over is unbelievable. One, again, it's this picture in your head that gets you yeah. in so much trouble. It's- okay, so I, I'm in finance. I like get a book of business built and yeah. I'm like, I'm going to go out on my own. And so of course I want the building with the name on the sign, the color copy machines, like all mm-hmm. these things. So mm-hmm. I'm like getting it all set up. So it looks pretty, right? Like we play in house when you're a little kid. Okay. We're going to set up yeah. the whole house and we're going to play. Okay, yeah. well, guess what? You need to be playing the entire time and then let the house come. Because if you spend all the time building the office space and the furniture and all this kind of stuff, I got a color copy machine bill. I was like, okay, no one's using the color copy machine. We are going to go broke. It's because I spent all this time building it so it looked pretty and I wasn't doing sales. I wasn't yeah. generating the revenue that I needed to keep up with the spend. And I was the color copy machine was a wide eye moment of we need to shift and change. Yeah. And so... I mean, we have these visions, but we just, at the end of the day, we have to be scrappy and yeah. we have to let the vision say, okay, that's where I want to be. But yeah. first I need to do these things to eventually get there. And, um, it's not a, if you build it, they will come. It's you it's build it along not. the way and then yes. it keeps growing to that other piece. It is. This has been an awesome interview. You know, before I end, I want to ask you one question. Yeah. What did you learn about yourself throughout this experience with climbing the mountains and doing everything you've done, being in business, being an entrepreneur, being successful, going through those ups and downs and challenges? What did you learn about yourself? We each have a thing we're here for mm-hmm. and nobody's going to understand it. And so we, the earlier you can understand that, like what I see for myself makes sense to about nobody, Mm -hmm. the faster that you get to go. Like, I think we just look for approval so fast. Oh yeah. And like reassurance and all these kinds of things. And for me, the biggest lesson was, I mean, I remember going to climb, I'm like, I've called my parents. I'm gonna climb Everest. Ha ha ha. No, you're not. (laughs) Like like the people closest to you are actually the ones that are going to shoot you down the most in the beginning. Yeah. And then you like have to push through that. And then eventually they'll come back around and support you because they love you. But for me, it was just really realizing like when I have an idea, blinders, earmuffs, everything need to go on. And mm-hmm. I just need to live within that idea because nobody has the experience that I have with my life. And so they really aren't capable of commenting. Yes. Yes. So the earlier that you can shut out the noise in the world and just plug into you, the better off you are and the more secure your idea becomes because it gets nurtured and it gets loved on a little bit more before it's ready to share with everybody. Yes. This has been so awesome. I can't wait for the book. Yay. 
Yeah, I order really it. Can't. You pre-order. You get all I'm, kinds of fun bonuses and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think we'll have it guys, down in the, the notes section. Yes, put it in the notes section. And then mm -hmm. I have the most amazing Everest video. That is mm. the um, the Milky Way going over base camp. Yeah. And so if you text Everest mm -hmm. to 33777, so that's 33777, text mm -hmm. Everest to that, and we'll give you that video, and it is amazing. I know it is. This is, has been such an inspiring episode where I feel like, especially for this trailblazing series, because you are truly a trailblazing woman, to have achieved such a great monumental thing in your life, and but just so many ways that it applies to everyday life, to business, to women, to any struggle that you're facing, any mountains that you're facing in your life right now and how you can overcome them. And how, like I said, the main thing that sticks out for me is being able to find joy and fun in the experience, like in the journey yeah, versus just looking at journey. it as hard look at it as enjoyable and find have fun with it. I love that. I really do. I love Yay. that, Jen. I really appreciate you for being on this show. This is going to be such an amazing episode for my listeners. And I really can't wait for them to hear it and watch it on YouTube. And I appreciate you for being here. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Girl Techno Podcast. We really hope this episode gets you one step further in your dream of becoming an entrepreneur. If you like this episode, please leave us a review. Once you leave us a review, we will shout you out on our next episode. Now, in order to qualify for the shout out, all you have to do is leave a review, screenshot the review, tag Girl Techno Podcast in your stories, and you will get a shout out in our next episode. Until then, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.